Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. Special episode, my frustration with reconfiguration. I'm sure you know the joke. What's the coldest town in Ireland? Brrr. And what's the fastest town in Ireland? Well, of course, it's Choom! When I was young, I used to love trying to make up new ones of those types of jokes, given that many Irish towns have interesting sounding names. So I've got a new one for you. What do you call a town in Ireland where the Catholic Church divests its school to a multi-denominational provider and as part of that deal makes the state pay rent on the building which the state already 100% funds for its upkeep? The answer, Nina, Nina. Yes, that's the sound of alarm bells ringing as Nina is about to become the first thriving school in Ireland to undergo a move to becoming a community national school in a process called reconfiguration. And as part of that deal, the state will be paying a rental lease to the Catholic Church. So sit back, relax and listen as we talk about the history of the Community National School, the state's incompetence at providing education, and how the Catholic Church continue to retain control of the education system, even when it's trying to give it away. I'm telling you, it's no joke. Hello, hello, you are very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshah.net. This is Simon Lewis here with a special episode. This probably and most possibly will be the first time you might be listening to this podcast if you are a parent or someone outside the education system because obviously this is a a fairly live news story and uh, you may have just come across this podcast as a result of it. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with this podcast, it's called If I Were the Minister for Education, where every week I find something within the education system that I would change or would like to improve if I sat in the hot seat and had a kind of a benign dictatorship, as it were. Um, Every so often I do special episodes about current events, and uh, this is one of those, uh, where today um, the Department of Education uh, has uh, released um, a, a kind of a, a document about this thing called a reconfiguration process, uh, which some of you may have known as divestment, uh, which would have come, uh, which is about ten years uh, old this year, um, around the pluralism and patronage forum. Now, all that might mean nothing to you, apart from the fact that basically it is the Catholic Church. Uh, uh, basically giving their schools to multi-denominational bodies in order to make sure they don't have a monopoly on schools anymore. The Department of Education uh, for the last 10 years has, has asked to get to a target of 400 uh, multi-denominational schools in Ireland, which might sound good at first listen, but that's still only 12% of all primary schools in the country. Uh, even at the end of this process, 80-odd percent of schools will still be under the control of religious bodies. Um, So with that in mind, uh, let's get going with this uh, podcast um, episode. It's quite a long one, I would imagine. Um, And because this news only came out officially today, I've been working on this in this area for the last couple of weeks. So I've been, you know, I suppose, uh, writing notes for this episode. I'd intended to do it. Uh, I didn't think it would come so quickly, really, to be honest with you. I thought it a couple more weeks before this uh, um, actual news came out. So in some cases, uh, while I have a little bit of a script in front of me, I will be winging a little bit of it uh, as we go live uh, uh, through um, some of the things I'll be talking about. So forgive uh, some of the hemming and hawing um, and uh, long-winded explanations. Uh, I am not known for my succinctness, uh, shall we say. Well, the vast majority of people in Ireland, I I would suggest anyway, never think about how mad our education system is. And I'm not sure if you're one of those people who doesn't think our education system is mad. I think it's absolutely mad. And even if they do, they tend not to think about how mad it is that Ireland is a secular republic, okay? We're not a Catholic country. We're a secular republic that has an education system that is predominantly run by religious bodies. Basically a monopoly, um, you know, which is amazing. And a lot of Irish people don't think that that's weird. You know, that a country that isn't actually under the control of a church, 
or a religion. So, for example, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that, let's say, um, some of the Middle Eastern countries have uh, their schools would be religious because this, the, the country is a religious country. You know, for example, you know, I don't know, let's actually pick Israel, for example. It is known as a Jewish state. So it would be not surprising that their schools would be predominantly Jewish. In Ireland, we're not a Catholic country, so it seems it's a a weird anomaly that we have 90% of schools run by the Catholic Church. And I know there's historical reasons, but isn't it a bit weird? And as a result of that, you know, some Irish people don't think it's weird that almost one in six schools in Ireland are single-sex schools, possibly as a result of this Catholic uh, monopoly on schools. And when this comes up in the media... Many of uh, people are tempted to defend this kind of thing, like the idea of single-sex schools, and they call it choice. And this is an interesting theme that will come across this episode. Because when it comes to education in Ireland, one of the most accepted truths when it comes to our education system is that we should have choice when it comes to selecting our child's school. But the trouble about choice is that nobody in Ireland, if you're a parent, when you think about it, none of you really have a choice in what school you actually send your child to. Not really, particularly if you're not Catholic. You don't have a choice. Let me talk about it. Think about supermarkets, okay? Just for a change. Let's think about supermarkets and the idea of choice when it comes to supermarkets. We All people in Ireland don't live in a place where they can easily get to a supermarket. In rural Ireland, for example, you don't easily get to a supermarket if you don't have a car. Now, we might have to make do, maybe you might have to make do with a little shop in your village if you're lucky. So you might be in a little village with a little shop. And if you're lucky enough to have a little shop in your village and you want to buy, I don't know, let's say, a bag of muesli, yeah? How many different types of muesli do you think you're going to be offered in that little village shop as opposed to in a supermarket? And have a think about it. Um, What if that brand of muesli that's in that, because it's going to be one, isn't it? What if that brand of muesli is one that contains raisins and you don't happen to like raisins? Um, Well, (laughs) you're going to have to just suck it up and not... And, and take out them and basically try and take out the, the raisins as much as that's very hard because at some point when you take your spoonful and you try and get rid of the raisins, you'll still get some of those raisins. And oh, it's hard. Anyway, unless you're not really getting the point of this because this isn't about muesli, obviously. What if that muesli contains communion bread and you're a Hindu or a Jew or an atheist? Look, the idea of school choice is a total misnomer. Even if you go to a large supermarket, by the way, you don't get all the choices. You get, you get a few choices. And one of the, some of those choices may not be suitable to you at all. And again, we're, you know, forget that it's muesli. I'm talking about religions here, okay? So if you're in a town where there's a, where, I don't know, there's a Catholic school, a Protestant school and nothing else, well, you don't really have a choice if you're a Hindu, do you? So, I mean, ultimately, what we're saying is the idea of school choice is an actual misnomer. Ultimately, in most areas of the country, children are forced to go to a school where they are excluded every single day of their eight years in primary school. And if they don't like it, they're told. Do you know what they're told? Do you know what? Bug off. Bug off if you want your human rights to be honoured. Yeah? Bug off. Build your own school is what I hear. In fact, I hear that all the time. You know? And many families basically have to drive ridiculous journeys every day to go to a school that, that is... Um, basically, they basically drive ridiculous journeys every day to go to a school that respects their human rights. As a friend of mine says, that's called choice. But how did it all, how did it end up this way? How do we have an education system where a secular republic with a predominantly Catholic education system and people don't seem to care about it very much? And, but, uh, but I mean, we definitely, everyone agrees though, that if we were to start the education system from now, we wouldn't start from here. I'm going to give you a very, 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 very short um, history lesson here uh, because um, I've done it before on the podcast. You can listen to uh, previous podcast episodes where I talk about the history of our education system. Um, But uh, for those of you who aren't aware of it, our education system started in 1831 with something called the Stanley Letter when Ireland was still under British uh, rule. And the 
the main thing about uh, the education system um, that was written in the Stanley letter about starting an education system was basically uh, the, the point that if they were to be non-denominational. Um, now, I'm not going to quote the Stanley letter, but basically, uh, you can believe me <laughs> or not, but the idea was that, the, uh, that, uh, d that there should be no reason why Protestants and Catholics should be separated, because it was just Protestants and Catholics at the time, and they should be all schooled together. Now, I know possibly the purpose of that Stanley letter wasn't uh, particularly altruistic. I think it was more to do with assimilation of Catholics into a British way, but at the same time, it, <laughs> it was to be non-denominational. Um, and... Uh, this was very unpopular with the various churches and, and ultimately failed. Uh, and the Department of Education tried out ways to make it work. So we had the, the, uh, the idea of uh, model schools, which were an interesting idea and still exist today. I think there's nine model schools still around. But the model schools in their infancy is what they were supposed to be doing because they did see that um, we have a problem with uh, segregation of pro and Protestants and Catholics not getting on with each other. Model schools were basically schools where uh, a principal, uh, you'd have a principal and an inspector running these model schools so these were to be I would say these days to be called a pilot and these model schools were if the principal was Catholic the inspector would be Protestant so they kind of keep an eye on each other that they weren't indoctrinating the children funnily enough uh, <laughs> as history went on all of these model schools have now been uh, although they it's kind of an interesting one model schools are our state schools so the Department of Education is their patron actually interestingly enough it's not a church body that's the patron but on the ground all of these schools uh, have a religious ethos either ch either Church of Ireland or Catholic but yet their their patron is actually the Minister for Education so the Minister for Education is the patron of schools which religiously indoctrinate children which is a huge scandal in itself but that's not for this episode they just this is part of history Nothing really changed, really, except for uh, the fact that uh, Catholic and Church of Ireland instruction was cemented into our schools as, um, you know, basically that there was a, that the, that the right to have uh, faith formation during school was cemented and um, Rule 68 was imposed quite, quite recently, really, um, um, where it was to, uh, basically religion was seen as by far, to quote, the most important subject in the school curriculum and should be integrated throughout the whole day. Um, in 1978, Educate Together came along to be the first non-church uh, patron of a school uh, with the Doki School Project that's 1978 um, and uh, again uh, that the, there was a small uh, growth of these uh, these schools there's now uh, close to 100 of these schools but uh, very very few up until the 90s in 2011 uh, the Community National School uh, opened uh, up its first school the Community National School was originally interestingly enough wasn't uh, supposed to be a multi-denominational uh, setup it was set up as an inter-denominational setup by Mary Hannafin which was seen to be a compromise between uh, religious faith formation religiously controlled schools and those damn heathens in Educate Together uh, where they decided um, that they would um, teach religion during the school day and Catholics would be taught uh, Catholicism, um, Church of Ireland would be taught Church of Irelandism, um, Muslims would be taught Islam and everyone else would be known as the HBH. You, you know, I was, no, I'm not going to tell you what that stands for, but it's very disrespectful. Uh, that's everybody else. And um, basically that would happen during the school day. So during the school day, children would be separated by their faiths or lack of them and taught. So they were segregated. This led to an expose on primetime by M.O. Kelly. And in 2018, finally, after defending this uh, practice for years, uh, the community national schools changed to be very, very similar to Educate Together, that faith formation isn't taught uh, during the school day. And you would think that that is the end of our story, where we now have choice and so on and forth, because choice is so important. However, all through, uh, I, I've skipped a little bit of history here because in 2012, we had the uh, Patronage and Pluralism Forum set up by Rory Quinn. And um, this was a, a huge thing. And this is where our story really um, kind of begins in terms of patronage. And um, ultimately, uh, the, the, this story, uh, which um, is when Rory Quinn decided when he became the Minister for Education, he was going to make sure 50% of all Catholic schools would be divested to multi-denominational bodies. Um, and at that point, uh, Educate Together would have been recognised as that provider. Um, but anyway, that doesn't, that's not actually that important. Um, anyway, when, 
over that year, as time went on, uh, eventually they um, settled on 10% of schools being handed over to um, multi-denominational bodies by the Catholic Church. And um, it's interesting just to read back on the media coverage at the time in 2012 when this was published. And I covered this in OnShaw.net when OnShaw.net was a lowly blog. Um, and um, it, the articles uh, basically said, uh, and I'll read through them a few things. The Irish Independent focused mainly on how sacrament preparation would be removed from the school day in all schools, mentioning that in all of its articles. And they also warned of the, warned of the possible challenges ahead, such as parents deciding on new patron bodies. Oh my goodness. And that didn't really happen, actually. But there was one parent that came up with a patron body called Skull Sinead, which really hasn't taken off, uh, but it still exists. Uh, the examiner also headlined with the removal of sacraments from the school day, but outlined other key points in the article. Uh, and the other key points were changes to education law to place responsibility on school boards to uphold the rights of children with regards to denominational irreligious education and faith formation. That never happened. Consideration to amend equality law uh, that allows the school give preference to children of a particular faith or refuse enrolment to those who don't belong to the school's denomination. That, that, that led to the admissions bill in 2018, which we won't talk about in this episode because I don't think it's really, it doesn't really matter. I mean, effectively, that this became known as the baptism barrier. And essentially what happened uh, since then was the baptism barrier is removed from outside the school gates to inside the school door is how I uh, describe it. But I don't think I'll go on about that anymore. The removal of a rule that refers to religion as the most important subject in the primary school curriculum, that actually was removed in 2016 by Jan O'Sullivan. It didn't make a blind bit of difference to anybody. Nobody, I don't think anybody noticed except me. And schools helping to accommodate children opting out of denominational religious teaching or faith formation. And as we know, that did happen, as I said, in the uh, admissions bill. But the Catholic Church hijacked that by basically not um, uh, explaining clearly um, how they would um, help children to opt out of religious uh, instruction. And I'm in the middle of uh, discussing this with Richard Bruton um, at the moment and other parties, um, and I'm getting nowhere. But anyway, that was the Irish Examiner, which was a little bit more in-depth and very interesting, and it's interesting to see what's happened since 2012. The Irish Times spoke about the changeovers as an historic occasion. And it was difficult not to see that they are not on the fence on the issue. However, they did welcome the slower pace of change rather than the big bang approach that would be exceptionally difficult to implement. That The big bang approach was Rory Quinn wanting to remove half of schools' um, uh, religious uh, indoctrination programs. Um, so basically that was what the media were saying at the time, kind of interestingly. Um, and in the middle of all that, the, the just because none of this was mentioned in the papers at the time, 44 key areas of the country were identified for divestment. And as we all know by now, 10 years later, it's been a complete failure. And... Um, you know, with very few of those areas uh, handed over. And in fact, while people are saying 21 schools have been divested, they haven't really. In, in reality, I think three schools have been really divested, like in, with its, in its truest intentions, um, where schools were actually divested from Catholic uh, patronage to another patron body. In fact, you could argue, really, in reality, only one school really divested, and that was a Church of Ireland school in uh, Ballina that divested to um, educate together as it were, perhaps one in Blessington as well, the, which was a Montessori, uh, which uh, wasn't under religious patronage really. So anyway, all that aside, um, this has been a complete failure. And this divestment process where we were, I suppose the government were generally coaxing the Catholic Church to um, divest some of their schools really was going nowhere. And we saw, we saw a really good example of this in 2018 in Malahide when eight schools, eight Catholic schools in Malahide were asked for one of them to divest voluntarily to um, a multi-denominational partner. And again, uh, you, I mean, if, you don't, if you're not aware of it, it was an awful situation where all sorts of mad rumours were spread by whoever, uh, you know, and we, you can decide who, who they were, basically saying that these this new school, if you divest to uh, basically this educate together, for example, that'll be the end of Christmas, that'll be the end of Grandparents' Day and all the lovely things that happen in your school. In fact, I think they even went as far as saying you wouldn't even have sports day or something like that. I don't know. Well, maybe they didn't go that far. But I mean, there were some bizarre things that would, would happen. And it was it was awful. So I think 
to their credit, and I use that very loosely, the Department of Education realised that divestment was failing and they had to come up with another idea. And in 2017, they very, very quietly introduced a new word. They, you know the word reconfiguration? You might have heard that a little bit more lately. That is the new term for divestment. And basically what reconfiguration did was rather than us, uh, the, the government uh, uh, coaxing um, schools to move away from the Catholic Church, they um, and, and asking parents for their thoughts and asking anyone really for their thoughts, reconfiguration was a kind of a decision where the church would decide they were happy to let one of their schools go uh, to another patron and generally that patron was the ETB and in 2017 the government or sorry the Catholic Church in Kerry decided there was a school called Two Mile uh, National School they were closing because there weren't enough pupils I think they were down to six pupils and effectively they were going to have to close the school down forever and ever and nobody would go in so what they decided to do was they would hand over control of that school, this failing school, to the ETB and reopen it as a community national school, a multi-denominational provider. And this was known as reconfiguration and not divestment because with divestment you would actually have to ask parents what type of school they wanted and you would also have to put it out to tender in competition. So Educate Together would have to have a go at it, School Sinead would have to have a go with it, someone else would have to, Steiners might have had a go of it, or whatever it might be. Uh, but that didn't happen. It was just handed very quietly over to the Community National School. And in, in kind of around the same time, a new programme for government was released when the new government, uh, in around 2019, a couple of years later, uh, the programme for government came out. And it was a very interesting change when it came to the issue of religion in schools because up until 2019, um, they talked about the divestment of primary schools to multi-denominational bodies. Whereas in this programme for government in 2019, it said we will be prioritising the reconfiguration of schools to community national schools. In other words, they haven't been doing this underhandedly. This has been very, very much above board referenced in the programme for government for a number of years. And in reality, in reality, this has been coming for a long time. So in 2017, Two Mile National School became um, Two Miles Community National School. And over the next few little years, Tiny little schools that were closing down became community national schools. And there's a number of those schools, um, and I'm not going to name, name them all, but just uh, to give you a, a flavour of the, the next two that came out were Brannockstown Community National School and Fart Community National School. These two schools uh, were handed over to, um, to by, by the Catholic Church, but this was as a result of both of these schools um, were you know, embroiled in scandal, shall we say. They were closing down as a result of very poor WSCs and so on, and eventually closed down. And, uh, and were about to close down until the CNS came and took them over. Uh, this was in 2018. Then in the summer of 2019, and this is since the programme for government, so before the programme for government, these three schools uh, basically got given to uh, the community national school. They were schools that were going to be closing down. Now, Educate Together probably wouldn't have gone for them, uh, nor would anyone else have, but what was the reason for going for them? Well, when the programme for government came out, a whole host of other schools decided to um, change their way, change to um, community national schools. Three Steiner schools, um, two in Clare, one in Galway, converted over, uh, reconfigured. Uh, one in Wexford, one in Roscommon, one in, uh, another one in, um, actually another two in Kerry um, became uh, these community national schools. Um, around 2019 and then in 2020 or sorry 2020 uh, uh, yes there was one in uh, Jobstown uh, Tala Community National School and uh, finally this year in 2022 a school that wasn't closing a school that wasn't closing interestingly enough um, was um, a thriving school was the first thriving school to be reconfigured from the Catholic Church to the community national school. Notice that no schools were re reconfigured to educate together um, for any reason 
And that's particularly interesting in terms of Nina, because Nina was one of the 44 assigned uh, school uh, towns that were assigned a new patron body and uh, and where parental choice was supposed to be part of it. And in Nina, parental choice was for educate together. It's just interesting and it's kind of uh, something that we will come back to. So what is configuration and why should we care? Um, well, I suppose, I mean, I probably have explained it really. Divestment was a process where there would be um, democracy. Parents would choose, uh, would be uh, basically, uh, a school would be divested, put up for divestment, and um, uh, all the various patron bodies would be able to tender to become a patron of that school. So that could be Educate Together, it could be the CNS, it could be Steiner Schools, it could be First and Petrunica, it could be any of them. And then um, parents would vote who they would like for their patron body. Reconfiguration is different. What happens is that the bishop of the school, of the, of the, of the diocese, decides who gets patronage of the school. And they say in consultation with the Department of Education, and when they say in consultation with the Department of Education, the Department of Education have an independent body who um, controls that process. And do you know who that independent body is? It's the um, ETB. And the, just, just, in case you didn't know, just in case I wasn't clear on that, the ETB run community national schools. They're their patron body. So the ETB, yeah, are... <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing here. The ETB are supposedly independent, yet they are also patron bodies of schools. So this is this is where we're at, and it's 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 really 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 interesting to to me why this is uh, is what why this is so bizarre, mad, and doesn't make any sense. So look, that's where we're at. There's your history lesson. We've got to a point where Nina is now. Uh, Nina Community National School has been reconfigured from some school in uh, in Nina Town, um, and um, I um, I've been aware of this for quite some uh, for 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 a few weeks, and I um, spoke to a number of people, and they have not given me permission to speak, so I so I can't uh, really tell you much about it uh, about those conversations, but I can tell you uh, that um, RTE did a report. Uh, on this school and um, the RT report really was quite positive um, despite the fact that when I was telling RT about it uh, I wasn't as positive but uh, the headline is school patronage agreement could lead to greater choice for families what a positive headline and uh, I mean I'm not going to read the whole thing but basically what it says is is all this is, is all of what I've just said base, except for the positive spin um, the Catholic Church has reached an agreement with the Department of Education which may give fresh impetus to the provision of greater choice in primary education provision for families that's the first line of it and it talks about how other towns and cities are going to benefit from this um, and th- some of those towns are Arklow, Athlone, Dundalk, Nina and Yall uh, all of which have no multi-denominational primary schools so basically in the next few years you're going to see these five big towns all having uh, community national schools and maybe maybe one of them will be an educate together school as I, I i'll tell you why in a while but if it wasn't for educate together kicking up a little bit of a fuss or um and basically uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't have stood a chance this is basically program for government priority will be given to community national schools in the in the reconfiguration of uh, of schools um i don't know which one will be um and maybe it'll be none of them um but uh, anyway that is uh, that is where we're at um i talked about the department of education issuing guidelines uh, um uh, issuing guidelines now it's a really really positive news story um as i said um, this is the first school, uh, so Seamus Conboy, who's the director of schools in, in the ETB, he says this is the first school of this large size to reconfigure and in a central location like Nina, all the other schools, and this is this is basically part of the whole story, all the other schools, not only were they closing down and were tiny schools, they were in the middle of nowhere. So this is the first big school and it will become the biggest community national school of the whole lot of them overnight. Um, and basically the local Tipperary ETB will become the school's new patronage. If that rings alarm bells in your head, by the way, Tipperary ETB, yeah, it just, 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 
I, I, this is an aside and it's got actually nothing to do with this. Um, there was a court case um, very uh, not long ago when Tipperary ETB, uh, and it was Nina's um, ETB at second level, were embroiled in a court case because one of their teachers brought them to court for religious discrimination um, because uh, the Nina ETB at secondary school has a Catholic um, or a Christian uh, kind of a, uh, what do they call it, um, spirit. Um, yeah, spirit. Is it spirit? I don't know. Um, uh, that that seems to be, be be what they call it. Uh, so basically, even the ETB aren't completely divested away from the Catholic Church at um, at second level. Um, and given this particular given this particular arrangement, I don't see that changing um, anytime soon. Given that they're going to be paying rent to the Catholic Church, and I'll talk about that more a little bit longer, uh, a little bit later. Um, and look, uh, the principal of this community national school, I don't know him, John Gunnell is his name, um, and uh, he, he's uh, it's interesting, you know, they, they interviewed him, um, again, I don't know his feelings about this, I haven't spoken to him, I'm sure he wouldn't speak to me about it anyway, because uh, a lot of the, he, he's basically going to continue being the principal of this school, so he's going to obviously have to defend the decision, but he said, uh, what he has said is, when you look at it, a family arriving in a town and they have no choice but to go to a Catholic school, says he, who was principal of this uh, particular type of school for God knows how long. Um, but And there's also been a big push for co-ed because obviously not only was this school a um, Catholic school, it was also a single-sex school. Um, everyone's in favour of it. We're all under the patronage of Bishop of Killaloo and it was decided that all schools would go co-ed. So all the schools in Nina are going co-ed and his school is going to be one that is offering a multi-denominational option. Very similar to what should have happened in Malahide. And I think really the reason for, the, uh, for not doing this democratically was to avoid a Malahide situation. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, they said it's the right thing. To, he said it's the right thing to do for the town and its hinterland too. I'm getting calls from places that would never have been rolling from out of the town, from out by the lake, he says. I don't know what he means by that. Oh, he's referring to Loch Derg, which is uh, 10 kilometres outside of the town. Look, you know, that's that's fair enough. Look, we have, uh, like, I the school I work in, I have people coming from all over the county as well. We're the only school in the county with a multi-denominational ethos. So here you go. You're learning, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dunnell, who will still be called Mr. Dunnell, uh, or Gunnell, sorry, um, and not John. Was, anyway, that's another thing. That's another story with the CNSs. They still call them not by their first names. Uh, they're still kind of old-fashioned. They think Mr. and Sir and miss and ma'am and all the rest of it is still appropriate. I wonder what they do to teachers that actually don't identify as Mr. or Miss in community national schools. Do you know, um, you know, with gender diversity, what if you are a teacher that is gender fluid and doesn't want to be known as Mr. or Sir or ma'am or miss or Ms. Like, what, what are they going to do there? But anyway, I, I digress yet again. They also wear uniforms, so there won't be a problem there. I suppose I'll just change the logo a little bit. Um, anyway, staff feel very positive about the move, apparently, to, apparently uh, John Gunnell said, and it's very exciting. Um, it does go on and on and on, and uh, it talks about the multi-belief system. It talks about Alan Hines, who's the director of St. Sennan's Education Centre, who basically coordinates all the Catholic schools in uh, that area. Um, and he says he hopes to learn from this in terms of developing a template, which is an extremely important sentence. And it's probably the most, uh, it's the most important sentence of all, because that says to me, this is a pilot. Number one, if this is a success, I would see um, a mass, and don't, and you can excuse the pun, a mass handover of Catholic schools uh, to the ETB. I can see this, I, can, I absolutely see this happening within my lifetime now. Uh, but also, I think um, if nobody cares about this, um, it's also a mass template, a template for mass transfer of schools. Everybody wants to develop a positive way to do this, and this avoids past misunderstandings, probably referring to Malahide and other uh, situations where we've tried to divest schools away from the Catholic Church. Um, it, it, and in fact, uh, that's exactly what the newspaper refers, or the, the RT article refers to. This, there was a controversy in the North Dublin server three years ago when it was proposed that a number of Catholic schools in the Swords Malahide area might be divested. There were false claims made that things like St. Patrick's Day and the use of Irish greetings such as Briach's Lydia will be banned as a result of it. Um, Seamus Conboy goes on that uh, you, you, things like cribs at Christmas would still be allowed, which is questionable, um, uh, but they will also mark Eid and other religious holidays. I would suggest uh, to Seamus that he stops that example, uh, to be honest with you, because um, you know having a crib at Christmas is, 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 is uh, anyway, it's a bit questionable, but look, that's here and there, that's up to them, they can do what they want. 
Um, it goes on and on and on and on. Then it moves on about property. And um, one of the questions that M.O. Kelly asked was, uh, was about who's going to own the building. And John Gunnell laughs when I ask him who now owns St. Mary's uh, School building. He wasn't expecting the question. The property, I assume, belongs to the patron, who is the Bishop of Killaloo. Now, he's got that wrong, and so is Emma when he talk about it. Well, actually, he's, this is what he says. The patron isn't now the Bishop of Killaloo. Is now the, maybe he isn't wrong. So basically, yes, he's right. Sorry, my misunderstanding there. Basically, the church will still own the building. Um, and as for divesting of the political ideas, I have no idea. And we look forward to educating children. That's our job. We're happy to do it. Basically, I'm not answering that question, my friend. Um, that's, that's not something I'm getting involved in. And do you know what? He's probably right. Um, he's more clever than I am. He's just doing his job. And, um, you know, that's absolutely his entitlement. We're just doing our job. It's not what we're all doing. We're all just doing our job. And it's idiots like me that are, are making a fuss over nothing. It's not what it is. So there you go. That is uh, the RTE report on the new school in Nina. I uh, might explain the situation. And then Educate Together released a statement a few days later, basically saying they welcome the announcement of the new school transfer process and calls for parents' voice to be heard in the school system reconfiguration. Essentially, if I am someone who isn't invested in this, basically what I see is, good, oh, Educate Together are welcoming this announcement. Well, I don't have to read anymore. Sure isn't everybody happy now. Um, if you do read the, read the article, it goes on about how they welcome the whole thing and how this is great and it's brilliant and so on. But then at the very end, they basically say they're not happy because they weren't actually, uh, they, they weren't consulted whatsoever in the divestment or the reconfiguration of any of these, uh, uh, these schools that have been handed over to the Community National School. So it isn't really a happy story. But do you know what? No one's going to read that, to be honest with you. They're just going to see the headline and they're going to be saying things like, Simon, what are you complaining for? Aren't Educate Together happy about the whole thing? Did you not see the, did you not see the, uh, the press release they released? And by the time it takes for me to explain why they wouldn't be happy, they're, they're not really happy, the person has walked off going, sure aren't they happy? Sure, what is he going on about? That's him just whinging again. So anyway, naturally, all is not what it seems. Um, ultimately, and um, we're in a situation that divestment is gone. So democracy is dead. And parents no longer have a choice, despite the fact that they're saying, sure, it's all about parental choice. So what they're doing is they're removing parental choice for when it comes to divestment. And choice actually now means we're telling you, <laughs> we're giving you the choice. As you're not, you're, so what you now have is the church are going to choose who you can go to, basically, because it's, the, uh, it's basically the Catholic church that will choose the patron. Uh, so anyway parents you no longer have the choice there is no democracy in it and um you know that's that's just that is what it is and um you know um if if you don't like it i don't know what can you do however i learned recently um a few weeks ago that not only are and, and to be honest with you look if, 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 if we could stop here i i would concede do you know what I'm okay with it. I, I wouldn't go as far as educate together to welcome it. But I would certainly say, do you know what? At the end of the day, it is what it is. It, schools are being handed over to multi-denominational bodies. It is what educate together kind of originally wanted, a state-run, multi-denominational system. Educate together themselves are a private provider of education. Do you know what? Look, at the end of the day, this is probably what we all wanted. And do you know what? Fair enough. Game over. It's grand. The problem is a few weeks ago i heard rumors i wasn't sure whether they were true or not which is why i'm only recording this now uh, because it's been confirmed is the state are going to pay the catholic church rent in order to use the school as uh, a multi-denominational body so i don't know i don't know I was, I, was, I, was trying to, I was trying to make an analogy um, about this because some people kind of go, initially will go, but that, that, that sounds about right. Sure, why would the Catholic Church give up their buildings for free? Surely they should pay rent. You know, that makes sense. Bear with me here because I'm, I'm going to try and give you an analogy, okay? And, and it's not a very good analogy. I know it's not a good analogy, but just hear me out really and bear with me with it. So let's say, for example, you build me you build a house for my child, okay? And you, and basically, you gift it to them. You don't want anything back. You just gift it to them. You build a house with your own money, 
and then you give it to my child and you don't expect anything in return. And for whatever reason though, you decide as well as gifting him the school, or sorry, woo, you gift him the house that you've built to my child, you've gifted it to him. But for whatever reason, as well on top of that, you decide to pay all of his bills. So my child is getting a free house, which he now gets to own, for whatever reason, and then you're gonna pay all of his bills. And in fact, at some point, after about 20 years or so, you decide, you know what, I'm, this, this house is a bit old now. I'm gonna knock it down, and I'm gonna rebuild it again, with, completely with lovely modern stuff, all mod cons, all right? And you still do that with your own money again, and you continue to pay all of the repairs and everything else in the future. So all of his bills, all of his repairs. If it needs, a, if he needs a new carpet in the bedroom, he'll do. You'll pay for that as well. If he needs, a, if a window gets broken, so he'll pay for that as well. If the radiator is leaked, he'll pay for that as well. All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, do you know what? Sure. If he needs the tire, uh, the car, the cobble lock uh, there um, uh, done uh, in, and turned into tire macadam, they'll they'll pay for that as well and so on. So ultimately, you know. My, my son wouldn't pay a cent for any of this. And after a while, what happened is my son decides, do you know what, I, I'm going to leave this house because, do you know what, there's been a lot of these people who've been giving me these houses for free and they're paying my bills and I don't need all of these houses. I've a lot of houses now. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I just don't fancy living, living in, this, in this house because I've, I've just too many of them and I don't really need to live in that house anymore. It's kind of, you know... It's the least popular one of my, my, my houses. Um, you know, I don't have many parties there anymore. Anyway, so he gives it back to you. You know, thanks for building my house and paying all my bills and everything else. I'm gonna go, he gives it back to you, but with one condition. That you keep paying him for the privilege of him not living in that house anymore. Despite having absolutely no bills. Now, obviously, that makes no sense to anyone. Not that it would never happen. I would love to be, a, I, do you know what? I would love to be my son in that. It makes no sense. But this is what's happening with this reconfiguration thing. It's mad. Why would you pay my son for leaving your house that you built with your own money that you pay all the bills for? That's what's happening with reconfiguration. It's nuts. So basically, I mean, I, I, I don't know why I have to explain it because it's fairly self-explanatory. Basically, Catholic schools, so you have a Catholic school, the entire cost of that Catholic school is paid for by the state, all its bills, everything. The Catholic Church do not pay a single cent for the upkeep of these schools. And now that they're, the only thing that is changing is that instead of faith formation being taught during the school day, we're going to basically change the uniform, Change, people, uh, change maybe members of the Board of Managers, and maybe not, you know, a lot of them will still be on the Board of Managers. I think maybe, if, you know, anyway, that, that aside, we don't know that. Um, half an hour of the school day is basically going to be changed. And for that privilege, for the privilege of that, the state have to pay the Catholic Church rent. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And it's not nominal. Like, it's a reasonable rent whatever that means. Now, I've asked Norma Foley three times to, uh, about this. Before I knew, when I heard rumours of this in the first place a number of weeks ago, I, I emailed her to ask her about it and I got no response whatsoever. So a couple of weeks later, I emailed again and I got an email back uh, saying, oh, someone will be, uh, we'll, we note your, your thing, your, you know, and we'll be in touch soon. And then I heard about the rent. So I got the answer to my question, which was, what's going on? And then I got the answer to my question. I wrote again saying, I found out how much rent is being paid. And again, I got the response, oh, we'll, we'll be back in due, in due course. So I probably will get a response soon now that it's all out in the open, except we don't know how much rent is being paid, but it's a reasonable cost. And even if that reasonable cost um, is, it, I would imagine it would be the same as prefabs, you know, because essentially, I mean, why wouldn't it be anything different? I mean, if, if this expands, which it will do, and the intention is for this to expand rapidly, and this could be 400 schools very, very shortly before 2030. If, let's say, I, and just even if it was, uh, I don't know, a nominal fee, well, let's not go with a nominal fee. Let's, let's say a non-nominal, 10,000 euro a year, which is nominal enough. Uh, I, I would say it's a lot more than that. 10,000 euro a year by 400 schools. Um, what's that now? That's 4 million euro a year for 40 years, 
to allow schools <laughs> to allow schools to teach a multi-denominational program instead of a Catholic one, and still uphold all that. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I I just can't. I cannot believe this is happening. So I contacted um, people for profit, Sinn Fein, and the Social Democrats about this, and. Um, to be fair, um, you know, very quickly, Paul Murphy uh, asked uh, the the uh, Taoiseach about this, uh, and Michael Martin. I was going to play it, but I I, I just don't have time because I really want to get this out uh, before the day is out. Um, Paul Murphy basically said, uh, asked the Taoiseach, and the Taoiseach was like, "Oh, that doesn't really sound right. Gosh, I'll have to investigate that." So he had he had a clue, and um, effectively something. This is sinister stuff, isn't it? And as if by magic, it all came out today in the paper. And how did we find out about it? Of course, it was a journalist, Carl O'Brien this time, who headlined State to Pay Church Rent for Schools That Become Multi-Denominational. And the reaction online, as you can imagine, was totally predictable. Totally predictable. Nobody gave a toss. Oh, oh like you're surprised. Oh, you're surprised that nobody gave a toss? Because actually nobody's given a toss about it. I don't see any outrage about this story. Um, in, on social media because social media is where you get outrage these days not a bit of outrage I've been following it and not a single bit of outrage about it and I'm not surprised I'm really not let me explain why and I, I'm, not, I'm not just being me centred here but I, you know, I, I generally tweet about education all the time and I can gauge the reaction of it so I published mainly I published three tweets this week of any interest. The first was about this British head teacher who believes that punishing children is a good system for education. And um, that's one. The second was about the Ukrainian about Ukrainian children coming to Ireland to come to school as refugees and how we we're going to what we we're going to do about that. And I will have a podcast episode about that, um, probably the next one, hopefully in the next little while. I, I, I'm kind of time is against me. I really wanted to cover this um, this week, but this story has kind of gotten the way. And the third one was explaining this situation. And what was happening. So guess which tweet got almost no interaction? Well, you don't, I'm sure you can guess by now. And for the record, the least important story, uh, which is about basically the demon headmistress, had over 103,000 impressions on my Twitter feed alone. 103,000 people cared enough to read it. And comparing that to this story, this story, how many did, I, how many did this story get? Two and a half thousand. So in layman terms, we seem to care 40 times more about a British headmistress than our own education system. So I wasn't surprised that nobody cared. And for something that people seem to care very little about, I think the Department of Education are really surprised by how little people care about it. Because given how little people care about it, the Department of Education really went overboard in terms of, of explaining this. They released, they actually published and released a video in English and Irish about it. And do you know how little people care about it? Five hours after releasing it, 29 people had bothered to watch it because they don't care. And three of them were me. You know, the apathy about religion in schools. It's just shocking how how, how, how little people care about this. And to be honest, it's a really boring video, but I mean, maybe, maybe that's, I don't know, it's not why 29 people have viewed it. I mean, I've watched, I've watched quite a lot of education, uh, Department of Education videos, and um, 29 is very poor. But it confirms everything I've said so far in terms of this reconfiguration. It explains the reconfiguration process. Yes, the church is going to be paid rent for allowing a multi-denominational program to be taught in its school. And yes, the church will choose which patron will be taking over the management of this program. And according to the video, and I quote, the school patron is responsible for decisions on any transfer of patronage. This is not in line, of course, with what some commentators are saying, because uh, many of the commentators, um, particularly ones involved in the Catholic Church, are saying, oh, no, 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 it's a joint decision uh, between, the, you know, between the Department of Education. Department of Education's independent people make the decision. No, no, no. The Department of Education say the school patron is responsible for decisions on any transfer of patronage. They're in black and white, or green and white, as it is on the video. Anyway, the government have also gone to the trouble of creating a massive load of we website, like a massive website for this reconfiguration process. So, I, I mean, I won't go through it in massive detail because there's far too much of it, and I'll be here all night. I was really hoping, um, you know, because actually I was going to release this, uh, this uh, podcast yesterday before all this came out. Um, and I really kind of should have. It's Friday, um, and this is when I kind of generally release these things. But anyway, I, uh, how long am I going on for? I'm 49 minutes. I might get under the hour, probably not. Um, but 
Um, at best, I didn't think the Department of Education were going to make this massive deal of this reconfiguration process, given that most people don't care. But um, I thought there might be a tweet saying that they're you know, Nina has been reconfigured or something like that. Um, and probably not, and hide the fact that rent was a part of the deal. But what they didn't say was they released five separate documents, and some of which are over 30 pages long. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to read them um, all out to you. I've read them all already. Um, well, I've skimmed through all of them because most of them are fairly similar. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm, what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll just pick out the highlights. I'm going to try not to repeat myself and things I've already said, but instead I'm going to try and find out new information based on the documents. And I'll start with the documents which is aimed at school authorities, because I think actually that's the one that means the most. And the first interesting thing is all about money, because do you know what? At the end of the day, this is actually all about money, and it's not about children. And it never was about children. Um, and it says... Patronage of schools generally involves ownership of schools and school property. Where a transfer of patronage is taking place, suitable arrangements will need to be made for the leasing of the school property by the new patron. Local circumstances will vary and due diligence is required on the part of the property. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, that bit isn't that interesting. Local arrangements is the interesting thing. Local arrangements. In other words, the Department of Education are washing their hands of this um, thing about rent and leasing and all that kind of stuff. Leave it up to you, lads. You decide how much it is. And essentially, the church will name its price for this, for this arrangement, names its price, and then we move on to lease arrangements uh, that the Department of Education will be happy with. Okay? So the church will name its price. What will the Department of Education do once they name their price? Well, the property will still benefit from continued state investment in the upkeep, maintenance, or improvement of the premises. So they're still going to basically pay, like, pay for everything. Everything, you know, so that, you know, back to my analogy, uh, back to my analogy. And in other words, as well as paying rent to the church, they'll continue to pay all of the other costs. I mean, who wouldn't jump at the chance to be the landlord to the Department of Education? Do you know what? If I had a house and I was renting it out, I'd be, doing, I'd be renting it out to the Department of Education. But anyway, let's keep going. The department will provide the following resources. The approved rental cost. It's lovely. Church names the price. Department pays. No question asked. The building's insurance premium will be reimbursed to the property owner by the incoming patron as part of the leasing arrangement. And the department will reimburse the incoming patron. Sorry, what? That, I, they're actually reimbursing the insurance. That doesn't happen in most schools. And most schools uh, will have to find insurance... Like, most schools have to find insurance money out of their capitation grants. I mean, this is another insight. I, th I think this is what happens in the ETB, maybe. That the Department of Education pay their insurance. Um, very, very, very odd. I don't know. Sorry for the crinkling in the background there. I've uh, someone crinkling. Um, the department will make a reasonable contribution towards vouched necessary legal costs incurred by the outgoing patron directly associated with putting it in place any legal agreement required to secure the minister's interests in the property. I mean, what possible legal cost could there be? What is changing except for the fact that there's a new tenant in the house? And the department is providing facilitation resource to support patrons in the local consultations, leading to the reconfiguration in the bilateral areas. Nice. Few bob for training. Anyway, that's it, really. The rest of the document is really boring. Um, very boring stuff. Except for an almost but not quite guarantee that ancillary staff will be keeping their jobs. But who cares about that? To be honest, sorry, I do, by the way, just in case that came across as I don't care about that. I do. To be honest, the other documents don't really say anything new, so I'm not going to bother reading them. There is an appendix at the back of, of a couple of those booklets with the names and details of the schools that were reconfigured, and all of them, bar one, were reconfigured at the ETP. The other one is a really bizarre arrangement, which was reconfigured at the first in Petrunica, uh, who are segregating children by religion during the school day. Hmm, I think they maybe should have asked the ETB how that worked out for them. But alas, we are living in different times and things like that do not matter anymore to journalists because they don't care anymore about the segregation of children based on belief. Now that journalists have all agreed that since COVID-19, primary schools are no more than babysitting services and really the only stories we're clickbaiting are whether schools will close or not and how lazy teachers seem to be. But I digress. Listen, 
I have no problem with community national schools taking over the schools. I'm often accused of saying, oh, you just want everyone to be an Educate Together school. Just because I work in an Educate Together school doesn't mean I represent Educate Together. I certainly do not. I love working in Educate Together. I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for Educate Together and all the rest of it. But I do, I am of the opinion that we need a state-run, multi-denominational model. And the community national school do, does tick those boxes. And we probably do need to accept that that is going to be the way forward. I don't have a problem at all with community national schools taking on the schools and do you know what um as you all know, um, because this is, this is my point really, and I argue this all the time, we shouldn't have patron bodies. We should have a state-controlled, multi-denominational body. And to be honest, the community national schools do that, and they really just don't need a patron body. They only have a patron because we have to have patrons. And I would imagine that if we got rid of patrons, the, the, the Department of Education would become the uh, responsible for what happens in these schools, and we'd have a kind of an LEA structure, blah, 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 blah. But anyway... I just needed to say that because some people, in fact, loads of, most people think that I'm trying to get everyone to convert to an Educate Together system. It's not what I'm saying. My problem is the manner of this reconfiguration. There's no parental choice being done. Like the, for all the times they go, oh, parental choice is absolutely sacrosanct. What they've done is they've taken away parental choice. That's mad. And it's not right. If you're going to have parental choice, have parental choice or don't have parental choice. If you don't have parental choice, stop, be it, stop the nonsense. But the other thing that is mad about this and probably worse is the fact that the church are being given compensation for nothing. They're not, they're not losing anything. They're being compensated, but they aren't, they aren't losing anything. I mean, and this is the mad thing. This is, this is exactly the same. Well, more, it's worse, I would say, than the National Maternity Hospital fiasco. And when, I mean, this, what I can't understand is when the National Maternity Hospital came along, there were thousands of people marching the streets against this happening. And there isn't a whimper about this. Not a whimper. I mean, why do people care about who owns and runs hospitals, but they don't care who runs schools, who are exactly the same people? And they don't give a toss. Nina is not a one-off. It's likely that all those teeny, teeny, tiny schools that were reconfigured are now going to be paying the Catholic Church a fee if they didn't already. And moreover, why is this being allowed to continue? Already Limerick is on the cards with the same game next year, followed by more and more and more. And we listed some of the towns that are going to be getting these schools. And what happens when the government reach their 400 multi-denominational schools by 2030? Because that is going to happen now. How many of them will be paying rent to the Catholic Church and how much will this be? It will be millions, millions. And, and, and why? Why are we wasting millions on rent? And this is why we were getting rid of prefabs, wasn't it? But now we're going to transfer the rent we we're paying to prefabs to, a, to the Catholic Church. We, you know, it, it's, it's amazing when, you know, you could be hiring SNAs. Um, you'll be hiring um, stuff to help, help children with additional needs. We're supposed to be doing that. And my guess there will be, and ex, you know, my guess, and you're going to have to excuse my pun again, there's going to be a mass handover of all schools to the ETB, Catholic schools to the ETB at some point in the future. I don't know when that will be, but I reckon it's going to happen kind of soon. And I don't know how soon that will be, but I reckon it's going to be within my lifetime. I would never have said that five years ago, probably. And what we're going to have now is, is, is this bizarre, I don't know, it's going to be some quasi-multi-denominational system around it, but with a bit of a Catholic backbone, if that makes sense, ready to be pulled if the tenants do something that goes against what seems to be what's now known as Catholic social justice. So for example, let's say we're paying rent to all these to the Catholic Church and we have 400 schools um, with the CNS all renting off Catholic schools. The Catholic Church owns these, these buildings. They're, that means they have a stake in what goes on inside them. What about sex education, for example? Will there be limits on sex education being taught in these schools because it would offend Catholic, um, the Catholic landlords? Peter Boylan seems to think that's the case when it comes to hospitals, despite the protests of, um, of, of the various ministers. And I believe him. So why would it be any different in these schools? Well, surely it wouldn't be. When the state tangles itself up in private bodies, and they do it in other things, I know they do it with, home, uh, uh, with homes and things like that, it runs the risk of having to kowtow to their demands. We need to cut the ties to private education providers, especially ones with a history of sexually abusing children. I'm sorry, but that has to be said too. I mean, I, don't, I, I didn't want to bring up the sex abuse stuff, but it has to be part of these discussions. I, I'm going to leave that hanging because I don't want to go there um, that much. But it has to be part of the conversation. 
uh, a la Michael Wood's decision on, on, on capping how much compensation the Catholic Church had to provide to victims of sexual abuse, how must they feel when they see this carry on going, millions going to the Catholic Church, um, to schools who, who, not all schools, but many of these schools would probably have had a history of sexually abusing some of their students. Possibly. I don't know. But I mean, I can't imagine not. Um, and do you know, like, I have to say though as well, I have no doubt that the ETB have, wants nothing to do with the shenanigans that are going on behind the scenes. And I don't think they have anything to do with the shenanigans. I actually don't believe they have anything to do with the shenanigans part of it. They just, they're just getting what they want. More schools. And more schools means more funding, and more funding means more schools, and the cycle continues. And in some ways, Ireland is getting what we've been asking for for years, a state-controlled, multi-denominational model of education. But what I can't understand is why we have to do things so underhandedly, and why we continue to fill the collection basket of the Catholic Church, even when we move away from them. So that is it. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If it's your first time with us, please consider subscribing to uh, Anshal's podcast, Reviver the Minister for Education, um, on whatever podcasting platform you use. We're on all of them. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the rest. If you uh, have an Android phone, uh, like I do, consider um, downloading a uh, podcasting app, which lets uh, automatically download the podcast, because you'll see uh, the pod- uh, these episodes. Um, if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll see the episode landing in your app um, as soon as it is recorded which is usually um, earlier than I release them publicly um, so that's a little bit of a bonus for you if you've liked the podcast too you can review it um, because if you review it more people will be able to find it um, I'm uh, sorry for any of the background noise I had to record this kind of in a bit of a hurry um, because I wanted the story to be out before the evening was out listen thanks so much uh, for listening um, we'll catch you again same time uh, next week and uh, thanks for listening goodbye <laughs>